Alright, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. Uh, For today's topic, I want to get into Black History Month. Now, I don't know how you feel about this month, but if it it makes you excited, great. If you want to run and hide from it, hey, I understand that too. Or if you just have no clue why this month is being celebrated, take a moment, sit down, listen to this podcast. This might help out a little bit. Um, I'm going to approach this topic from three aspects. Um, You know what I see in the black community um, as far as (laughs) uh, the different generations and different demographics in the black community, um, their perspective on each other. I'm going to talk about ancient history, pro-black movements, pro-black feels, pro-black groups. And then I want to talk about American history. Um, So, yeah, let's start with that. You know, I don't think I need to sugarcoat this, but uh, the younger generations and older generations differ on how they view society, on how they view opportunities and priorities. I'll just say it that way. Um, there is a shift and a change happening right now. Um, that's It's been brewing and stirring for me, which seems like the last 20 years. And um, just by taking a, a moment to sit down and talk to people, I've I've had the opportunity and the chance to chat with people and and have an open mind on different thoughts, different types of belief, uh, faith, um, this church, that church, uh, this mosque, this synagogue, uh, this way, that way, this type of meditation, that type of meditation. So for me, just having an open mind has really strengthened and, and, bonded my ideas and thoughts and dreams to me even uh, even more and upgraded them. But as I come back to it, we're going to talk about Black History Month, and there is some finger pointing going on right now. And I'll just say it like this. Um, I, I believe in the 60s and 70s um, and 80s for the most part, I want to say that black people had the church. This was where we could come worship our savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We had faith. A lot of good food, (laughs) a lot of good, you know, dinners on Sundays. And, you know, we will follow that up with cards, with dominoes. And and I've even reached out to several cousins that are, you know, older they would, you know, reminisce about a time where the only reason why you wouldn't be a big mama's house or Uncle Earl's or, you know, whoever's house, you know, Uncle Uncle Jerry's house. <laughs> the only reason why you weren't at that house was because you were in jail or dead. And we've we've gotten away from that time. And. The finger pointing 
is to me exactly why that will not come back. Um, we're a product of our environment. We're a product of our society. And <laughs> there's a consistent term that I keep hearing, not just at election time, but also throughout the year, the top 1%, the top 1%. Well, what everyone fails to realize is the top 1% have consistently evolved while us in the middle and the bottom continue to point the finger at one another. So this is an American thing to point the finger at one another. And for some odd reason, uh, no one understands that uh, the black community is not exempt from this. (laughs) So, you know, in the black community, whether you experience experience racism or not, you still have to pay taxes. Whether you still whether you experience racism or not, you still have blood flowing through your veins. And whether you experience racism or not, you still have a health, a plan, a family, a desire, seduction, passion, temptation. You still have all of it just like everybody else in the world. So This finger pointing that I'm talking about, it's both old and new generations. So the old generations are saying, you all don't care enough. You all aren't dedicated enough. You all don't want to come to church. You all don't care about anything. Well, (laughs) the younger generations are saying, well, when did you care about us? And why didn't you put down the traditions and the values for five minutes to just talk directly to us and see that the world, the pain, the problems continue to grow during the times when you're saying morals, 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 church, 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 do this, Don't do that. So this finger pointing to me is deadly because we take what we're frustrated about and just lump it onto that generation. And at no time do we meet in the middle and create a bridge on how to work with one another. So we're actually feeding someone else's dream because our pain, our struggle, our animosity whether it's white collar or blue collar, is still feeding that top 1%. They're not evil. I'm not mad at them at all. If anything, I'm a little hurt and upset that we haven't identified this pattern sooner. So with finger pointing, here's the thing. We've got those Black Panthers. We've got those Black leaders. You know, the Malcolms, the Martins. You know, we've got these these warriors and these rogue uh, uh, Ronin samurais that have, have hazarded their lives to prove a point. And <laughs> we shouldn't need a force like that to show us what we should be doing as a society. We shouldn't. And I've I've tossed this thought back and forth over the years. I'm like, why why is it that black people chose to stay in this country 
after, you know, Emancipation Proclamation. Why is it? Because if you look in the history books, right around the time that black folk were no longer slaves and were now freed, many towns and cities were being founded and built up with their first, you know, <laughs> their their ranch, their bank, their saloon. You know, it was you know, where they had their shootouts. So this is where these towns and cities were birthed in, in those 1860s, 1870s. And you look across the, the country and this is what you see. You got the 13 original colonies. Then that gets broken up. And if you ever have a chance to look at the map, you can see it on a map where the, the cities stretched and grew and then where the states stretched and grew, where it was just chunks of states um, or chunks of a few states that later got cut up and split up. They almost look like the countries, you know, over in Europe. So <laughs> I got to come back. We should have never needed a Black Panther to show us how to be strong and stand up. And 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 we should have never needed a Malcolm or a Martin to talk about a dream or to demonize something that was really harming. Not just one of us, but all people. So when I talk about finger pointing and the old pointing at the new and the new pointing at the old in the black community... We should have never needed that to say, hey, we should help each other or move. I, I don't know. Leave the country. Go somewhere. Go, go find better living. But to just sit here with our current problems, with our issues. And I don't know. Expect it to get better doing the same exact things that we've been doing for the last uh, uh 70 years? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how I quite feel about that. Um, I mean, it's 2020 now. And we're doing some of the same things that we did when Martin Luther King and Martin were alive. And I don't know about you all, but I know that a contract signed with a pen is much more, much more effective than me standing outside yelling at somebody's window. Now, you can draw attention to, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do by having these people parade outside, but it's just the way I feel, me personally, as as a minority, and even saying minority even sounds bad, as anybody if we're still using tactics from a time when we weren't understood and weren't heard, why would we be understood and heard now? We have the technology to understand and learn things light years faster than what it would take years ago. So when it comes to finger pointing in black history and during black history month, it, 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 it is kind of sad to me. It really is. Here we have a month where we're supposed to celebrate black inventions, black creators, 
<laughs> the things that were stolen from them and these great heroes in black culture. And it's not taught at home. This, th these are things that should be taught at home. I don't have to teach an Irish man his lineage in a month or at St. Patty's Day. That Irish man knows that he comes from the O'Briens, that he comes from the, uh, you know, O'Gormans, the O'Houlihans. They know their Irish lineage. There's no Asian History Month. They <laughs> might have one of the best internal networks I've ever seen. And they support each other and find a way to put another one of themselves on in a new shop or in a new way and employ from their own inside their community. But these things should be taught monthly. Now, I like the recognition of a Black History Month, because if you didn't know that there was any type of black history to recognize, yeah, you can you can latch on and join on. Um if you've been hiding from it or denying it, shame on you. I, you know, I'm I'm sorry that this is the, that this is bothering you, but running from it will not help. Um, I believe that any history on American soil is American history. We'll get to that later. But to put it uh, short, simple, and sweet, this finger pointing has not helped over the last 20 years. It hasn't helped over the last 40 years. And being around high school students now, it, it kind of scares me because sometimes even as adults in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, I'm hearing the same things that guys were saying to, to me when I was 14. I'm like, wow. Wow. And white or black or Mexican or Indian, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, whatever you are, these kids have to go through a constant bullying compared to what we went through. If a kid says he was going to fight you after school, he would fight you after school and it would maybe echo through the halls of the classroom. And I don't know, you'd have your reputation shattered or whatever it is. If you've watched those 80s movies, you know, like uh, uh, Three O'Clock High or, uh, you know, any uh, uh, 16 Candles or, um, God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club, um, uh, Hard Lessons. There's that with Denzel's really old or Lean On Me with Morgan Freeman and, and, and all these young, great actors, um, Wildcats with, you know, a young Goldie Hawn and a young Wesley Snipes. Um, and I could go on and on. Nerds, <laughs> nerds. Um, there is a cannibal bully culture that has been accepted and adopted into the American culture as almost a, a Darwinism. And, in our day and age with technology, it has intensified. It's almost attached to that person 24-7. Now, that's regardless of what, you, what, what color you are. I don't say race because there we're only one race of people. Now, you can do the science if you want and break it down, you know, 
where we were at a certain point in history, that's fine. I'm not here to debate science, but just mm, we're one people, different colors. And this bullying thing is so bad. It's so deep. I don't think you all understand, like just being white doesn't (laughs) doesn't make you perfect. Just being white doesn't mean you're you're you're, you know, completely perfect and, and wiped away from all issues, all harm. I mean, there's still cancer, there's still diseases, there's still bullying, there's still uh, uh, the gauntlet of things that you run through in society. It, nobody's perfect in this thing. So that's why with black history, when it comes to finger pointing, it, it blows my mind that in the black community, we still have this hierarchy of shades of black where if you're lighter you're better if you're darker you're worse and we treat each other like that and in the white community you still see it blondes are constantly ridiculed and made fun of and taught to be and expected to be dumb as women if a kid is nerdy Get away from him. He's not cool. Don't spend any time with him. He'll lower your likes. He'll lower your acceptance points. He'll lower your cool points. Like, why is this? Now, when I said nobody gets off of this thing, like a free ride and immune, (laughs) I meant that. I really meant it. So with this whole finger pointing scenario, old Young, light, dark, nerdy, athletic, cool kids, thuggish kids. We are in no position, white or black, to talk down to or cause stress, negativity, or failures of any kind to anyone. We're not at a place in this country where we can just kick our heels up and lollygag and be on vacation. Not in the black community, not in the white community, not Latino or Hispanic communities, Mexican communities. Not in the Sudanese communities. (laughs) I mean, come on, there isn't not one. If you ask me, in my opinion, in this country, We should be so tip top. We should be so healthy. We should be so blessed that everyone is jealous of America in all aspects. There is absolutely no reason why. And I mean this. No reason why we shouldn't have the best health, the best schools, the best opportunities, the best of everything. I mean. Just get rid of stuff. The cancer, the diseases, all of it. Let's get rid of it. We should have a utopia here. We should have such a great time. We should be having such a great time here. It just makes no sense. So, yeah, the finger pointing, it is hard. Because generations will point at one another. Social statuses will point at one another. You know, oh, these Uncle Toms, these thugs, you know, black on black. And like. 
it just never ends. It's it's almost as if black people don't understand black people or you've got to force it and be so one-sided that you don't have a chance to understand like wow like you can really talk to somebody from your own family like that you're going to call them a thug or a coon or a uh, uh, uncle tom like you really talk to your family like that and that's the thing like and i don't think people realize this in black culture white culture whatever If I see you as a black man or black woman talking down to another black man or black woman. If I'm of a different shade, if I'm a white man, why would I deal with you? (laughs) You you can't even respect love and build up your own kind. So what can you do for me? (laughs) Asians see this. I believe the Latino Mexican community sees this. So in a sense, if you're no good to your own community, what can you do for mine? And that's why I'm saying this, this whole finger pointing thing. It is a devil. It is a demon and you create it. You build it. So why not be angelic? Why not be healing? Why not be a blessing? You know that the world has problems. You know that this country has problems. You know that your community has problems. What are you going to do to solve it? We we've already done tough love. We've already told everybody what they're doing wrong. We've already but you know, we've already been stiff with the upper lip. We've already shown everybody how to be tough. We've already shown everybody old school and, and new school has been way too soft. So all this finger pointing needs to change. Because when you when we don't change the finger pointing, you get the Black Panthers, you get the assassinations of our leaders, the JFKs, the MLKs and the Malcolms. So, hey, I need to take a quick break, you all. I'll be right back with you and we'll wrap this up. All right. So welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast. We're talking about black history this month. And, (laughs) oh boy, um, so let's go back to Africa. Let's do Egypt. Let's do the, the Songhai empire. Let's, let's go to Ethiopia. You know, let's go to the Adam and Eve. Let's go. Let's just do it. Let's be there. Let's research it. Let's love it. Let's do all of it. But the one thing, the the one thing I'm going to ask, if you're going to be pro-black and black is beautiful and black is best and black is, you know, if you're going to do all that and show me how brilliant and amazing I am and beautiful I am, don't go and act like Hitler. <laughs> don't go off and wave, you know, if you're saying pro-black and all this and all that. Don't go act like if you're mad at the Confederate flag and you're mad at KKK, don't go act like them. To me, showing the brilliance and the beauty 
of an iconic time and, and, and the efficiency of it does not involve having to be a hater. <laughs> like at all. And here's the thing. You go on social media and you find women saying, I can't respect or love a man that knows black struggle. And men say this too. black men, black women can say this alike. I just can't respect a black man or a black woman that knows the black struggle and they go off and marry and date a white man or a white woman. Okay, well, let's flip that coin the other way. You have a white man or a white woman that says these N words are out here stealing our men and stealing our women and they should be gutted and killed and all this. So I'm just like, wow, y'all are just over here saying the same thing. You got these pe- <laughs> you got these people in the middle with these mixed kids that, that you all love. Just trying to live. Just trying to have a good time, have a good life. And here's here's the thing. I would be perfectly fine perfectly fine with all those statements if you were in my life and around me to influence me and all of my decisions but guess what i just met you if you're white talking to a klansman or talking to somebody waving the confederate flag if you're white and somebody is telling you that they don't love you, care about you, and never talk to you again because you have a, a, a husband or a wife of color. Not so easy. Because they would need to be in your life to tell you, hey, you don't want to do that. As a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, and then definitely as you know a maturing adult. Because I I know for me, at myself, when you grow up in different communities around the city, around the the state, around the globe, you're not going to have that anger. You're not going to have that that association with those former Black Panthers. You're not even going to be around gangs as much when you move. So you're going to have military kids. I'm I'm going to say who it is. This is who's going to do your interracial dating. You're going to have kids in the military. You know, they're calling military brats. You're going to have your athletes. You're going to have your black uh, uh, boys and girls that might grow up in the suburbs that aren't Atlanta. <laughs> so if, if they grow up in a suburb and they're the only black kid in class, like j- just do the psychology of this. You grow up as the only black kid in class, understanding and knowing only white culture. So when you do see black people, you're excited to see them, but they hate you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't like you because you sound stuck up (laughs) because all you've been around are white people. So you sound like a white person. If you were around Mexicans, you would sound Mexican. 
If you're from New York, you sound like a New Yorker. If you're from Florida, you sound like a Floridian. <laughs> from the dirty. Now, I don't know how people from California sound. They just, they just sound kind of fun. It's not really until they rap and make beats. That's how, you know, East Coast, West Coast. That's how I get that distinction, which is like, I don't know, amazing music. I mean, I'm always going to always going to be able to love and claim, you know, Atlanta claim ATL. But, yeah, there's some amazing music from from the West Coast. And it's been beautiful to listen for me in my whole life. But that's who your interracial daters are. Your interracial daters are travelers. They're people that move and and, and they, they move about and move around a lot. So what you have is people that are locked into their community that don't move very much from small towns, I'll say, in the vanilla side and from, you know, I'll say the chocolate side that that don't move very much. And if they are pro black, if they are pro white and they are in a big city, it's because they're constantly around someone to feed that to them. So if I didn't have that and I'm not constantly around that, guess what? My decisions are going to reflect what I'm around. So, (laughs) so here's the thing. Like I I can say this for me personally, I grew up thinking I was going to be like Bill Cosby and marry my Claire Huxtable. I stuck with that. I saw Whitney Houston. I'm like, that's my wife. I would see Janet Jackson. I'm like, that's my wife. You know, I would see like Naomi Campbell, you know, such a beautiful model. And I would say, oh, that's my wife. So, of course, I was jealous when I would watch Empire and see Hakeem with, you know, Naomi Campbell. But I would see these amazing, beautiful black women in culture, SWV, En Vogue, TLC, um, you know, Salt and Pep, you know, Queen Latifah, um, even Ashley, uh, 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 Tatiana Ali's uh, character. I would see these women on TV and, and throughout culture and, and think, man, that's my wife. That's what I'm going to be with. <laughs> I was all, already singing R&B songs and 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 loving on them before they even you know met me um because i i thought you know joe to see boys to men another bad creation all of them i i thought i needed to be exactly like them so <laughs> but you've got to inspect what you expect so bottom line don't put your expectation on me If you haven't been with me, I'll respect your opinion. If you understand and respect my life, I'm supportive. I'm loving. And, and, and here's where I got to call a bluff. This, this is, this is where I got to call the bluff. If you are pro black and so pro black that you hate to see a black man and a white woman together or a white man and a black woman together if you are so pro-black that that enrages you and disgusts you 
I, I can't quite believe you. And this is why I can't believe you. I don't believe you. If that bothers you so much, it should bother you so much that you say today is the day that I change this. And you should be so busy going to junior highs and high schools to promote black love that you don't have time to interact on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and social media. You should be so busy promoting black love that you don't have time to see the married people who ain't going nowhere. Because I, I mean, let's just be honest. You don't get married to divorce. You get married to be there. And if you got kids and y'all been together for at least 10 years, you're going to be together. So why are you wasting time? <laughs> like simply put, why are you wasting time talking about the people that you will not change? So you're just arguing with a wall. I don't believe you. Like, I really don't. So you're so pro-black that you hate seeing interracial couples, but you invest absolutely zero time in the future of what you love. Zero time. (laughs) That's like me saying, I absolutely hate snow, refuse snow, but I spend exactly no time, zero, planning my next move and living in a place that doesn't snow. Why not move to the desert? (laughs) So I don't believe you. You can say you're pro-black and all this and hate interracial. I don't believe you at all. Because if you're so busy, I'm sorry, if you have enough time to get on Facebook and say what you hate, then I'm going to call you out as lazy. You're, You're not taking the time to go and build what you would love to see. So your hatred is due to your laziness. Because if it's really a love and a passion for your, uh, you would have experience in that field. If I love art, I go and I, I, I put my artistry as an artist into works. If I love basketball, if I love football, if I love track and field as a runner, which you all know I am, I don't have time to talk about the people that upset me. I'm so busy in that love, locked up in that love that you will see that I love it by all of my actions and efforts. I don't have time to talk about what I don't like. If I love football, why would I talk about hating hockey? All right. So let me just wrap this up here. I just think simply put, anything that happens on American soil is American history. And this is where it kind of confuses me. Um, And this is where I'm going to reach out to my uh, uh, white vanilla brothers and sisters here. If you allow me to call you that. And if you want to be that, I'm going to say vanilla. I think that's more fun. So if I can talk to my vanilla village here. Anything that's happened on American soil. From. The Nina, the Penta, the Santa Maria, (laughs) anything that's happened on American soil from, you know, Amerigo Vespucci and Christopher Columbus 
is American culture. Why not get behind all of it and embrace all of it as American culture? Now, if I was a president, this would be one thing I would change immediately. We're all in this together. So why not talk about the advances and greatness of a people? Not, not, not to use them as a commodity of slavery, a commodity in entertainment, but as people, we're all in this together. We built this nation together. And if you know that it was built on the backs, follow what, follow what President Trump said. If you know that we were the, the lightning <laughs> that you used to build this country, why not just say, hey, we're sorry about that. We are. And it was wrong to attach the anger to it because newsflash, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes when I tell people this slavery is still going slavery. Um, even sex trafficking is still going, but slavery was usually just a, a means of, um, work or byproduct of war. So you have people that were slaves in different times because of a war they lost. So, Hey, this side lost. So we got some new slaves. We got people cleaning up our castles and cleaning up our pyramids and, and whatnot because, you know, they lost. So we got some slaves now, or you rented yourself out in servitude um, as a slave to clean, to help, to make money. And then you go move on and, do some other job, not like a butler, but like lower. Um, but yeah, that's the way I would sell that narrative. Hey, we messed up. We need to get all in this together. We need to love one another together. That's how I get behind that narrative. Just apologize. Just say you're sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's, there is no way that you could flip the scenario around. And if it was African invaders invading Europe and just right now, I'm saying this right now, if Africa invaded Europe and did to Europe, what was done to Africa or the Americas, I mean, it'd be unforgivable. Because of what what's happened to the Native Americans. I mean, I don't even know if they have a soul anymore. <laughs> I mean, they dance and, and do all the stuff, but they were the dominant people of the North Americas. Now they're maybe in two states, two, three states. I don't I don't know. My first time seeing real Native American people, I was scared. I was like, wait, what? so tall and the hair and the <laughs> like they just you know the, their their energy jumps out in front of them because that's who they really are but if all of this stuff that happened to them were to happen in Europe right now 
or to the Americas right now. If somebody just came over and took over the Americas and just told all the black people to go back to Africa and wanted to take it over. And the only people that were left were the vanilla village to, to fight for it. If they did that <laughs> to my vanilla village here that I'm talking to, would it be revenge or would it just be the way of the world? And that's, that's what's like really sad to me. I actually had a friend explain it to me that way. He's like, oh, well, the reason why Africa was taken and America was taken was because they didn't have the, the tools and, you know, the, the, they weren't prepared for war. Now, this is true. This is true. While the world was preparing for war and getting ready and getting strong and having swords and bombs and cannons and all that. You do have parts that were, you know, doing the exact same things that the other parts of the world were doing with war, with all that. They were warring and fighting in villages. Yes, nobody's innocent. But it was perfected. I mean, it was perfected to a T where, I mean, a gun versus a spear. Come on now. That's bringing a knife to a gunfight. So, yeah, I mean, there's you're not going to make it. (laughs) But what I'm saying is if someone that was more advanced, that was more, I don't know, developed, came and did to us what was done, you know, hundreds of years ago, what would you say? What would you do? Obviously, it's not me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing nothing. But that's all I'm saying is, if it happens on American soil, it should be taught as American history. And when we go to our American history books, it shouldn't be so one-sided. It should <laughs> it should include the whole spectrum, the whole story. You have many black inventors and black inventions that are still used today. You don't lose any steam or lose any clout by giving these black inventors the nod. I mean... How many foreign products do we use in our economy nowadays? Does that hurt Americans' feelings because they can, I don't know, go to a, a Vietnamese nail spa because something is made in China? Or because you have a, a Middle Eastern guy running your IT department? Is that really going to hurt us when we're achieving our goals? So... I think that if it happens on American soil, it should be taught as American history and not a chapter (laughs) or a month um, to to tell a whole story. So, all right, y'all, that's all I've got. I want to stop from rambling. I love you. I hope you love me back. Please like, love, and share these posts, share these messages. As always, I'll take your questions and your opportunities um, and themes um, in in my email. Um, But I love you. I hope you love me back. I'll see you soon.